0: You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Take a few moments to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Help us to get the ratings up on our podcast so that others can find it more
1: easily. In this podcast, we're going to be celebrating Mother's Day in a very special way. We're gonna do things a little bit differently. Um, Pastor Robert's gonna come up here in just a little bit, but I've got some guys who are helping me with some chairs and I've got some um, ladies that earlier this week when we weren't sure if Pastor Robert was gonna be able to, to bring the word this morning or not, um, uh, I, I was the backup plan. So <laughs> um, I, I started praying and asking the Lord, you know, what? what is it that, hey, uh, they've been very specific about where we need to put these chairs. Are they okay guys? We good? I need a thumbs up. <laughs> okay. All right, just have a seat, ladies. And they're going to bring you some mics here in just a second. We'll scoot these out a little bit give yourself some room. Um, so I started thinking about like, what, what on earth am I going to share on, on mother's day? And, um, immediately my, my mind started to, um, think about so many women in our church. I knew what song we were singing this morning, the story I'll tell. And I immediately started thinking about so many women in just our congregation all of us really, Um, but some of the stories that I know, some of the stories that I've heard, some of the testimonies that I've heard down through the years um, from women at our church. And so honestly, this platform could be full and still not hold all of the stories that we could tell. And so um, some of these women are just the ones that that God laid on my heart. And um, I thought, you know, why not let them tell some stories. You know, as, as women, it's important for us, the word says that iron sharpens iron, right? And so some of these ladies have been through some things in the past and have already overcome and have all been um, mothers in different ways. You know, there's there's lots of different kinds of mothers. There's biological mothers, there's adopted mothers, there's spiritual mothers, ones who maybe have never birthed a child physically, but who have mentored probably many more um, children and sons and daughters um, than a lot of us could even count and so, lots of different kinds of, of mentors and mothers and people. And so, um, these five gals are the ones that God laid on my heart for this morning. And so, we're just going to sit down and um, we're just going to share a little bit today. And uh, I hope that I hope that something that someone says will encourage you in the season that you're in, because you know we all go through different seasons, right? <laughs> and so, what does the story what does the story of our life tell? What will we choose, just like Jordan shared this morning, you know what will we choose? Um, will we choose joy even in the midst of heartache, even in the midst of brokenness? Will we choose to wallow? Will we choose to stand up and and will we what what do we choose to do when life throws us curveballs? What do we choose to do when things happen that are unexpected and um, and so anyway um, One's stories that remind us of see, that seasons, they come and go, but the promises of God, they remain in every single one of our seasons. They don't change because God doesn't change. Amen? And so God is faithful um, at all times. And so, um, you know, we each have unique and different stories. And so uh, your story may not be exactly what one of these go through, right? Because each one of us have gone through different circumstances and different things that have led us to where we are today. Um, but, But the thread, the thread that I believe connects all of us is our hope that is not in ourselves that is not in our children, that is not in a relationship, that is not in our finances, that is not in anything else, but that our hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. So um, we can look through God's word, right, and we can see different examples of parenting and of motherhood and of fathers and and different things. And so I, I just pulled a couple of those out um, just before I, before I let these ladies share. And you know, you think of one of my favorite stories in the the Bible, and I've spoken on her before, is Hannah. It's actually my middle name. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I like her. Um, but Hannah, um, she was barren. She she could not have children and um she she was desperate she desperately wanted a child and so she inquired of the lord and she went into the temple and she began praying and crying out to god and she said lord you know if if you if if you favor me and give me a child i will give him back to you and uh you know we see her faithfulness that after she prayed that prayer she didn't continue to wallow in that fact that she was barren she got up and she praised the lord she began to worship the Lord even before she was pregnant, before she had the promise in her hands, she began to praise. And um, and so I think we can learn something from her story because God blessed her with a child and then she dedicated him back to the ministry of God. Um, you know, we we look at and sometimes we think, well, are we really making a difference? Is, is what we're doing every single day with our kids is, is it get, you know, sometimes we think, oh, oh, Lord, please just let it, let something stick. You know, like, please let it stick, Lord. And um, you think of Timothy and where Paul in 2 Timothy he says that it was first the faith of his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. So there was a heritage of faith in Timothy's family. And so Paul, he says, man, it it first started in Eunice and Lois. And so what you're doing, how you are investing in your children is making a difference. And that fruit, you may not see it right now, but down the road and through that heritage, God is going to to see your faithfulness confirmed. And so, um, you know, then, then I thought of Naomi and Ruth. And this is not a mother-daughter relationship, but a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And how uh, Naomi and Ruth both lost their husbands. They both dealt with loss. And I can't imagine how how that felt and what they were dealing with, but Ruth was unwilling to leave her mother-in-law. She said, where you go, I will go. So Naomi must've been doing something right if her (laughs) daughter-in-law... A good mother-in-law, whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, so so she must have been doing something right that her daughter-in-law wanted to cleave to her and said, "Your people will be my people, your God will be my God." And so, um, what a testimony that is to to Naomi and and the things that that she was um, doing in her life. So, anyway, those are just some of the some of the stories that I, I pulled out from the Word. But now we're going to get into some personal stories. And and um, I I wanted to share um, just a little bit. I I don't want to say too much because then they won't have anything to share. But Janine is the first gal on my list. And I love Janine. She and her husband, Mike, they help serve with our recharge young adult group. And um, Janine has has stayed home and, and has raised five adult children now. And, um, man, she's, she's an awesome lady. She homeschooled all those kids. Hallelujah. Man, I don't know. Um, God bless her. (laughs) So I'm going to let her share a little bit of her testimony. And this is Janine Tomko.
0: Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. I have notes with me. So, uh, I'm originally from Long Island, New York, uh, but West Virginia has been my home for the past 17 years now. Um, I am the mom of six children, five here with me, one waiting in heaven, and I have three incredible grandchildren. My youngest is now a sophomore in college, so I'm on the other side of parenting, learning the role of mom to adult children. Um, After homeschooling for 24 years, this is a wonderful place to be. (laughs) Um, so yesterday when, um, I was trying to think through what I wanted to share with you all and I started writing it all down and, and I just scribbled it all out because I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And I stopped and prayed again. And all of a sudden this came to my mind and it's, so I want to share 10 things I have learned on my motherhood journey. Some that I learned quickly and some maybe much later. So number one, A toddler's will is stronger than yours, so choose your battles wisely. Number two, in fact, I think every child's will will be stronger than yours, so choose no matter what age wisely. Number three, give grace as much as possible. You can never give too much grace. Number four, chores will not harm your children. God gave you those workers to do the jobs you hate to do. (laughs) Just kidding. Maybe. (laughs) Number five, surround your children with people you want them to imitate. If you want them to love God, then make sure they are around people that love God. Number six, daily devotions and scripture memorization. I realize with homeschooling, we could just incorporate this into our morning routines. But I really feel that this is key for their spiritual life after they're grown. Number seven, you will always love your child, but you may not always like them. Your relationship with your children will have ups and downs, as every relationship has them. Just know it will pass, but the key during this time is to express more love, especially when it's hard. Number eight, this is a A key one. If you have multiple children, think about what you do and give them because it sets a precedent for all the others coming along. For example, when the first started driving, I was thrilled to have another person help with all the taxi driving of the other four. So we bought a car for her to use, never thinking about the four that were coming down the road behind her. So at times, our driveway looked like the Enterprise Car Rental Agency. Number nine, many times it was me that needed a timeout. I think I could have realized this much sooner on my parenting journey. It's okay to step out, calm down, and regain composure. Most importantly, pray while you're in that timeout, um, and then tackle an issue. I think I would have saved myself a lot of stress and my voice at the same time. (laughs) Number 10, ask for help. We put this weight on being superwoman. On ourselves that if we need help others will think we're weak that is a lie from Satan God doesn't want us to live this life on our own in 1st Thessalonians 5:11, it says therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing we need to come alongside one another and I am here and available if you don't know who to ask or just need a listening ear I am blessed to have been born into a Christian home who truly tried to live by Proverbs 22 6. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I was a very tough cookie to raise, and I'm sure my parents doubted many times if what they were doing was sinking in at all. But when I had children on my own, Mike and I knew we had to teach them at home and how to model how we wanted them to grow up. There, <laughs> sorry. I can't get my, my hands are shaking. No?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Is that right? okay. There were lots of ups and downs and many failures, but there was also lots of apologies, prayer, hugs, and love. My relationship with my children is one of the greatest blessings in my life. So I leave you with two final thoughts. Pray, 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 and then pray some more. <laughs> Since I was pregnant with my first, I have prayed for them, their future spouses, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and for generations down the line. I know my ancestors did this for me and my family, and I have seen firsthand just how important this is, and I believe God blesses generational prayers. And lastly, I leave you with keep on. Don't give up when you are exhausted and don't know what to do. Keep on fighting through the tough days because the joy-filled ones are worth every moment of it.
1: need to keep some of those tips in mind for sure. Um, Well, Lisa Martin is next to Janine, and I fell in love with Lisa the moment that they came to our church and um, felt like our hearts were just connected. And so she's in a different um, season of her life um, where she's still a mother, but I'm going to let her share a little bit more about um, all of the different caregiving roles that, um, that she has right now and how God has used that in her life. So this is Lisa Martin.
2: I'm Lisa Martin. Uh, My family and I moved here two years ago from Florida. We're originally from Charleston. Um, I have two biological sons that are 14 and 12. I'm married to a wonderful man, Todd. I have my sister and my mom with me today. Um, And right now, I've gone through many seasons. I I think I've hit almost every season. And um, I was single, longing, longing you know, I, my first husband passed away when I was 29, a very tragic situation. And I was left a widow very early, but thank God for the heritage I have. I knew to get up. I knew what to do. I knew to worship. I knew to press into the Lord, um, during that time. And I'm thankful because that is only because of the example I was given and the prayers that went up. But I remember thinking, I don't have children. And I, my heart, just because that was the the thing that I longed for the most at that time. And a few years later, God blessed me with a wonderful husband and he had two children Here are my stepchildren and I love them. I've been with them since they were nine and 10. They are now 30 and 31 and I have beautiful grandchildren from them. And, um, but I remember longing for a child and, um, it wasn't until I was 40. We were told that by the doctors that it wasn't gonna happen. We had tried, we'd had surgeries, just different things. And we were told um, that we would not have children. We needed to look at other options. And we actually began to foster children to adopt and God just opened our hearts to children who who, um, did not have families. And um, we fostered with the intent to adopt and I found out I was pregnant at 40, the day after they brought the baby girl home from the hospital to me. She was three days old, and then her brother was 16 months old. But, um, but you know, God has a plan. We, we so much think that things have to go a certain way if God's moving. And there's so many things that he wants to do through us. And we're wanting this answer, but there's things he wants to do through us, through the battle, through the hardships, through the waiting. And, um, the grandmother ended up adopting them because she wanted to, she kind of came out of the woodwork, but she's a beautiful woman. And so two years later I had Gabriel and, uh, so I have four children they're awesome. But, um, I think for me, probably one of the biggest battles and I, I was, a, actually I'll tell this. Um, so when they were three and, um, 18 months, uh, was given a diagnosis of breast cancer and it was a very aggressive form of breast cancer. It grew very fast and they had to act very quickly. I went through chemotherapy and radiation and different things and um, I remember thinking, Lord, what, this makes no sense. You just gave us these precious children and I, I don't understand and I, you know, your emotions take over. Our, our, I think for women, our emotions are our biggest battle if we can over, if we could just step back and just but I remember the Lord so sweetly reminding me that he's there and that this diagnosis is not the final say so um, God got me through that through many prayers through through many prayers of the saints and um, and I'm thankful I'm here today to testify to that, but right now i I am very blessed to have my parents living with me. So I'm now in a season of the most beautiful parents in the world that raised me to know the Lord and to love the Lord um, are living with me now. They're 96 and 90. My dad is soon to be 97. My mom will be 91. And um, pray for my dad this morning. He's not feeling the best, but, um, but it's a blessing it is a blessing. There's challenges. And I told Carrie the other day, I said, I think one of the biggest things going through seasons, and I'm probably taking too long, I'm sorry, um, is sometimes women feel the loss. I don't know about you guys, but all of a sudden you miss your friendships uh, through certain seasons of your life. And because you are so busy and you feel like, well, I just want a friend, you know, I want to have fun. And, but I think you have to step back and know these are seasons. And and God has been so faithful to me. I'm telling you, he's been so faithful to me, faithful to provide peace, faithful to be my refuge and my strength. But you have to choose. It is a choice. It is a choice. And um, I give God all glory because I'm standing here a mother. I'm standing here healed and whole. And and I'm blessed to have my parents. They They are just... Priceless to me and, and my family. So, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share.
1: Amen. Well, this next gal, the first time that, that, uh, that we met, I, I think Michelle was probably in uniform. <laughs> she was, and for the longest time that Michelle started coming to Jewel City, she wore her uniform just about every time she came to church. And I loved her. I, she, was a, she was a tough egg to crack. Um, but we became fast friends. And her journey to motherhood is an incredible one. And so I asked Michelle if she would just share a little bit of her testimony.
3: Well, I appreciate the opportunity because I feel like I'm not just sharing my story, um, but there really should be an empty chair right here for a lady that, that doesn't get to be here this morning. Um, her, name is, her name is Nakata. Um, she died in 2012. Um, I never got to meet her, um, never seen a picture of her, I've never heard her voice. Um, but I get to see little glimpses of her through our daughters. Um, See, for a long time I thought, you know, I, I don't feel like I, I want to give birth to a child. I, I didn't think it was actually going to happen, to be honest, um, but I had this call in my heart that, that slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger that, that I was going to adopt, and I had no idea how that was going to happen because all I ever did was work. Um, I, I didn't know how to be a mom, um, but that, that little spark got bigger and bigger and bigger, and so finally... I thought, you know, okay, God, you're, you're getting my life together. Um, maybe now's the time. So uh, I took that first step when an opportunity came available, and that first attempt to adopt, um, it failed. And I thought, okay, you know, you, you don't always succeed the first time. It, it hurt, and it was hard, but I, I will try again, and, and I'm going to put more effort into it this time. So I threw everything I had into pursuing adoption, and I was matched with a little girl, her name was Marielle, and I had a picture of her, and I talked to her, and I looked at that picture, and then I got a phone call that that adoption also failed. Um, And you know, the more times you fail, something fails, it doesn't get easier to pursue it again and again and again. Um, So I stood in my kitchen, and I had that, just that very intimate conversation with God, and said, okay God, it's whoever you want, whoever you want me to be the mom to, you point me in that direction, and you gotta be careful what you ask for sometimes. Um, because, and, and Vern as well, where we were pursuing one, um, we got a phone call from an agency that said, how about two? Um, how about two little girls, if you're willing? And, and we were willing. We, we didn't know anything about them. We had two little tiny pictures, um, just a tiny little bit of information, and we said, yeah, absolutely. And short time later, I jumped on an airplane, And I flew around to the other side of the world um, and relocated in East Africa for a few months. And that's where I had to complete um, that part of the adoption process. But in that, and that's where I spent my first Mother's Day, um, was in East Africa. Um, I met these two little girls, they were three and six, and they didn't speak English and I didn't speak their language. Um, We didn't look alike, we didn't eat the same foods, we didn't do any of the same things. But in a minute, I was told, these are your kids. You're their mom. Um, And we made it work. We made it work. Um, The first Mother's Day I woke up, it was about a million and a half degrees, and there were about two million mosquitoes flying around. Um, One of our little little girl, Maria, she had slept so that her leg was across my face. Uh, And I woke up, and I thought, this is Mother's Day. This is what it's about. Um, I may never sleep again. Uh, Not a full (laughs) night's sleep, for sure. But one thing I know for sure is that through these sacrifices and through this process, these two little girls, they're never going to go another night without a family. Ever. Um, When I was in in country, when I was in Uganda, I had a a wonderful opportunity to go to the village where they were born at. And when I was there, I got to meet some of their other family. um, And I met their grandmother, their biological grandmother. She was 92 years old. She couldn't see. Um, And this was, if you can just picture it, this is as far remote um, an African village as you can picture. And through a translator, um, we sat in her small little mud and cement house and she reached over to me and she felt my face. And tears started pouring down her eyes and she just started talking and the translator was trying to keep up and he said, what she's saying is, you are the woman you're the woman that we have prayed for to come be the mother to these children. And so God had worked from 2012 when their mother died till 2014 when I was in country becoming their mom. He made a way for that to happen. And because of some of the things I know about their family, um, I, I can't help but think that at some point, um, when Akato was sick, when she knew that she was going to pass, that she didn't pray to God and ask for somebody to look after her kids. She was leaving her babies behind. At that point, um, you know, Maria was just a little tiny thing, and she was very sick. And I can't imagine now being a mom and knowing that I was going to die and not knowing who was going to take care of my kids. So I know that God can work through some of the hardest situations, things that you don't think are possible. Even in the darkest hour, as she passed away that night, she didn't know who was going to take care of her kids. And I didn't know I was supposed to be the one until God led me there. The girls had been with us. We've been a family for two years, and then we got our own little surprise. Um, And Everett came along. And that was kind of our family coming full circle where I truly understood the depth of what motherhood is. You know, I, I started to figure it out with the girls, but I have this connection now with Nakato, the, the, the mother to our daughters that, that I share that relationship with. Someday I'm going to meet her in heaven and say, listen, those girls gave me a run for my money. <laughs> but... It's what motherhood is you know and and whether we're raising the children that we birthed um, or we're raising the children that that God put in our family it's a challenge motherhood is not easy Um, but I I can't help but think when Jesus said he said I will not leave you as orphans I'm gonna come back to you when I walked into that orphanage the first time and I saw the girls there were flies flying around, and there was just, you know, potty chairs tipped over on the ground and laundry, wet laundry hanging. And there was one lady taking care of 40 little kids. Um, we saw orphans in worse situations than that that were on the side of the street begging for food or begging for money. And I think, okay, God promised He's not going to leave us in that bad situation. You know, and, and we could only adopt two so far. We could only adopt two, but that's what God calls us to do. You know, God's not going to leave us as orphans here on this earth, but he also calls calls us not to leave the others as orphans as well. So that's the story that I have to tell.
1: Well, um, next to Michelle is my dear friend Danielle. and you've likely heard Danielle's name over the last several months um, as we've been praying for her. and uh, if you know she's the lovely wife of Pastor Eric, who is our youth pastor and plays the guitar over there and helps lead the band that um, uh, you, you may not have had the opportunity to hear from Danielle directly. And, you know, we rarely think about or plan for seasons like the one that Danielle is currently in um, with three young kids. And so I thought this would just be a great time for her to be able to share a little bit of, of her story because it has inspired me. I have literally watched her walk out 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, that tells us to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And so I want her to share a little bit of her story. Hello. Um, as she said, I'm Eric's wife, and
4: I am not a perfectionist. I don't expect for everything to be perfect. I've known, you know, since I was younger, you know, we don't all have the perfect situations, and but I still like to plan, and... Um, You know, even when I was younger in high school, I knew I wanted to work with children. I knew I wanted to be married. I knew I wanted to have kids. Um, I didn't know when that would be, but I knew those were all part of my plan. And I'm going on my 13th year. I'm finishing up my 13th year um, in the education system. I met Eric when we were in high school. We dated off and on for several years. And then in college, we dated with the intent to marry. And clearly, we got married. And... um, and we have three awesome, most of the time awesome children. <laughs> Lorelai is nine, River is seven, and Barrett is four. Um, in my planning, I really never thought that health was going to be a struggle for me. I mean, I was fairly healthy, um, and you know, my parents are older, and so I just really never thought it was going to be a struggle. We all hear, um, you know, you don't think it could happen to you, and I was one of those people. You don't really think it can happen to you, but when I was pregnant with River in 2013, we found out just by chance that I had renal cell carcinoma. I had kidney cancer and um, I was 13 weeks pregnant. We had surgery when I was 16 weeks pregnant and so by the time that started and ended, it was about three weeks. From the time I found out, they removed the cancer, I didn't have to go through any treatments and. I felt so blessed. I felt like that was that was our trial. We did it. We passed. We trusted God. There were times when Lorelai was running around. She was 18 months old, and I remember when she would nap. That's when I was really going to dig deep and get serious, and I couldn't pray a lot of the time because, um, you know, your mind goes to the what-ifs, and that verse in Romans that talks about... Um, in our weakness, that the Spirit intercedes for us, and I never had felt anything like that before. So even though I struggled with the words, I remember, um, I remember feeling God closer than I ever had, and we we had peace in that. We didn't know exactly what it looked like, um, but you know, three weeks later, I felt well enough. I started the fall school year and went back to school, and I had River several months later, um, and then this fall. Um, you know, they say do those, those exams, right, right? So um, do them every month, and now I'm definitely a believer um, because it came quickly and changed in one, one week, um, and I got the diagnosis of an invasive breast cancer, and through that, because this is my second cancer in seven years, um, we decided to do genetic testing and found that I have a genetic mutation. The Gene that is supposed to produce a pr- protein that's a tumor suppressor well, decides not to work. I guess um, sometimes, and so with that, um, I'm just going to drop it. I'm just going to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> with that, um, fear started. Um, fear started pouring in, and you know all the what ifs, like. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I have these three people that are looking to me. Um, and just that feeling of what if what if this happens? What if it doesn't go the way that I, that I think it should? What if it's not just clear cut like it was before? And it became very clear that this was not going to be a sprint like last time, that this was going to be a marathon. Um, and so I decided early on, um, if you don't have praying people around you, we need to get you some, (laughs) Um, and encouraging. I have not gone a day without encouragement from people that have either been there or just my friends pushing me along and not doubting along with me. And so I decided early on that, um, did this diagnosis, did this change the way I feel about God? No. I still 100% believe in God. I 100% believe in the Bible and 100% believe his promises. Does that mean it's always going to work out the way we want? Not even close. (laughs) And so I know all of these things, but um, what do I have to lose? I'm fully going to trust God and um, trust his promises. And so, um, you know, when that doubt started to creep in, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm sad or if I'm upset, um, I start to get even more irritable than I might be as a mom that's homeschooling (laughs) during COVID and working a full job. And so you can only imagine. Um, And so I kind of thought, you know, this isn't what I want the kids to see of me. When I am feeling this fear, I am on edge. Um, And whether I live for two years or 10 years or 50 years, this is not the way that I want to spend my days. And so sometimes it's every day that I'm waking up and I'm choosing God and I'm choosing life and I'm choosing hope over fear. Um, and like we said, it's okay to feel all of those feelings. They're all real. Um, but we really have to keep our thoughts captive. Um, let me see where I'm at. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Um So what does it look like having something like this and having young children watching? Well, for the most part, I decided to ask Lorelai this morning. I said, Lorelai, everything that's going on, do you feel like your life is very different? No, I feel just fine. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. We've decided to be very honest with our children. We've not told them the extent of everything, but we definitely, they've seen me cry. Um, They've seen me praise. They've seen me be frustrated, and I've had to say, I'm sorry. Like, there's just a lot on my mind. There's a lot going on. We're really frustrated. Um, and they've seen it all. And one story that comes to mind you might not realize that this is not my real hair, <laughs> but it's beautiful. Might not realize. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, but I, um, this will always stand out to me because I thought, in choosing joy, I thought, I don't want my kids to be afraid. I might end up looking very different. We don't know what's going to happen. And so, um, I said, there's a chance that this could cause me to lose my hair. they're like, it's just crazy. So Laura, I said, can we cut your hair if you decide to shave it? And I said, sure, because I'm going to choose joy. And so I said, sure. So the time came, it was before, um, my second chemo it, one day I woke up and my hair was fine. Well, the night I went to bed, my hair was fine. The next day it was falling out in clumps. And, um, I had said, I'm not sure. I might just keep it for a while. I don't know what I to do. And so Laura was asking me and asking me if I'm going to let her cut my hair. You can only imagine. And so I, so the day came, and that morning she said, can I? And I said, sure. That's fine. You can." Because when else does your mom let you cut her hair? You know what I mean? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like it's never going to happen again. So um, I understood. But, you know, we're in the bathroom, and we're getting ready to do it. And I'm trying to put on, like, that spirit of it is what it is it's just hair. And so, you know, she's excited because she's like got the scissors and she's going to cut it. And, um, I just said, Lorelai, I need for you to leave. And I, all of them were in there because their eyes are huge waiting to see what's going to happen. And I just, I need you guys to get out. And they didn't argue amazingly. And they walked out and, um, Eric shaved my head and I had a good, really good cry about it. Um, and went out and I had to say, listen, guys, you didn't do anything wrong, but, this is hard. Like, it's just hair. You're right. And like, I might feel better about it tomorrow, but like, I've not, I've not ever not had hair. Like I've always had hair. And so it's just different for me too. And you know, I'm sorry. I just couldn't let you do it. And so there have been different situations. Bear still says to me at random times, he'll say, um, if I'm wearing a wig, he'll say, you look like the real mom. And when I'm not wearing a wig, he'll say, you don't look like the real mom, but you are the mom. And I'm like, you're right. I'm the mom, you know? Um, But I want them to see all of it. There's room for all of it. But in my sadness, or even when that doubt creeps in, um, I'm not going to let it overtake me. You know, none of us are promised tomorrow. But until you know what that feels like, you don't really know what that feels like. And so, um, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. And so, you know, I kind of have to remind myself every now and then, if I'm not promised tomorrow, is this the way I want to be? Living out my day, and sometimes I succeed, and sometimes I don't. Um, but so, you know, I've reminded myself that I've reminded myself that um, in the Bible, how many people just had it easy? Not very many. Um, we're not on this earth for it to be heaven on earth. We're not on this earth to be living our very easiest life. That's not what it's about. We're on this earth to once we make that commitment to win other people, to get as many people as possible to heaven. And so um, through this, I thought, I wanna dig deeper. I wanna be effective for the kingdom of God. Um, and so I'm now five, I went through chemo for five months um, and I'm so thankful that I was able to continue working. I was able to continue parenting for the most part, most most days. Um, I had a major surgery about three weeks ago and. Um, I'm doing okay. I was able to lift my arms and praise this morning. And so um, my story is still continuing, um, like all of ours, but I'm still in this battle. And so um, I thought, since I have you here, let me tell you what to pray for. And so um, we are praying for healing. We are Amen. believing that, that I'm not done yet. I have three children that I want to raise into adulthood. And so um, please pray with us for healing and pray... Um, even healing of my mutated genes—that um, they—that it would start working. Um, you know, God can do anything, and so why not? You know, we have our Savior who's ready to listen. Why not ask for the big things? Um, don't well, have.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. We're not going to let this opportunity pass us Wait by. Wait a second.
5: Wait <laughs> a ahead, second. Pastor. Stretch your hand toward Danielle, Father. We. Oui we sent your presence here today. You're a good, good father. But you're a physician. And I plead the blood of Jesus over Danielle right now. And by your stripes, she is healed. She will live long life She will raise her children. She will be a part of her grandchildren. Devil, you have no right. You have no authority. You have no dominion. And we're just about tired of what you've been bringing our way. And we are speaking victory, a life of victory in Jesus' name. We all have. Come together in agreement. Somebody say amen and give God a hand clap of praise. (laughs)
1: Well, uh, if you don't know the lady on the end, um, uh, you you must not have been here long. This is Pastor Roberts' uh, younger, <laughs> much younger sister. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I asked Nina to, to share a little bit of her testimony and then I know pastor is going to close up. So after she shares, um, she's going to share a song and then we'll be done this morning. But just, just one more time. Could, have you been encouraged by these ladies this morning? Amen. And here's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Here's what we want you to know, um, before Nina shares, here's what we want you to know. Whatever season you find yourself in right now, you're not alone. You're not alone. And so the body of Christ is meant to come around one another and to encourage one another and to lift each other up and to, um, to be Aaron's and hers like in the story of Moses where we talked about how when they were lifting up Moses's hands that they were winning the battle but when they let them down that they were defeated and so get some get some call on some women. Janine said, I'm available. All these women, we're available. All you have to do is call somebody and say, man, I I need you to pray for me. I'm discouraged right now. I'm dealing with depression or anxiety or fear or worry. And um, man, just call on one of us. Um, find somebody around you that you sit near and say, hey, I don't know who you are, but I just want to introduce myself to you, and, and could could, you, could could I encourage you this morning? Um, you know, if you want a friend, be friendly. If you want a friend, introduce yourself to somebody. There's lots of people here in this church, and we want you to know that you are not alone
6: this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to Nina. Picture this, Sicily, 1929. <laughs> I just had to get that out of my system. <laughs> oh, I just, I just love the Lord. And I'm so thankful for my Christian roots that we didn't play church. We were Christians, and we were raised in church on our knees, around the couch at nighttime saying our prayers, and this is what got me through. You know, I could could have a series on what I've been through and what God has brought me through, but I'll just pick one. (laughs) So all I wanted to do is get married and have kids. That was my goal in life. And 1981, I married uh, my first husband, Rick Dragoo, and we had three beautiful children. I would have them in February and pregnant in May. And so God blessed me. And 1996, Terrence told me stay focused, 1996 and June 3rd. I went to pick up my girls at Lumberport from Dance Line and left Aaron home. And my husband said he hadn't been feeling well. He said, I I will get you to the beach, don't worry. And you know, God had been trying to prepare me for him passing for a couple days. Different situations and even going to get Tara and Courtney for dance line, I said, if something happens to Rick, who's going to walk them down the aisle? And it came come to me that I could. So I come back. Aaron found his dad, which has left a mark and still has. But it left a mark on me. It left a mark on all of us. But I couldn't stay down because I had a job to do. I had three children that needed a mom. I had to be a mom, I had to be a dad. And I made mistakes. I cried at night, I sobbed at night. I had nightmares, but Jesus got me through. And I had Christian parents and aunts and family and a a church that loved the Lord. And he got me through. And I know the day that we buried Rick, and Aaron was out in the yard and he was wanting to play ball. Well, I'm the dad now. You want to play ball with me? That's all he had, but I'm left-handed and I can't even throw the ball straight. <laughs> I had to wait up for kids to come home from prom when I wanted to be in bed at 9 o'clock. And, 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 I had to go buy a cup, which I didn't even know what how to do that. <laughs> but, you know, you got to laugh because you can't just sit around and cry. But I just want you to know that God blessed me. I love my children. I've got 11 grandkids, and I love them. But you just have to do it. You can't just crawl in the bed and cover up and lay there because Jesus is going to see you through. He has never failed me. You know, I've had the cancer. Look at this curly hair. Wouldn't you like to have his curly hair? But God is good. And I love him. And I will praise him till I breathe my last breath. And I just pray that my testimony will bring somebody to know the Lord. Praise the Lord.
5: I'm a little slower than normal. There's a good place for a joke. <laughs> I'm surprised Bruce didn't say something. Hey man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord and what an incredible testimony. And you know, I normally don't sit down, but uh, Friday morning I got up at one o'clock in the morning, went to the bathroom. I knew I was in trouble. I started getting dizzy and I tried to make it back to the bed and I hollered for Lynn and long story short I passed out. When I came to I was sitting on the or laying on the bathroom floor looking at the ceiling. Had no idea what had happened. I ended up backing Ruby, the squad came. The guy said, uh, how'd you get down there <laughs> what kind of question is that <laughs> and then he said to me you want to go to the hospital I said no I want to lay here and die <laughs> so they put me in a squad and checked my vitals that was just day before yesterday and they wouldn't take me to Ruby so I got out of the emergency squad and my wife took me and so anyway here we are today and uh this has been on my heart for months before um, a couple months before I started preparing for the Blood series. So I'm going to share, and it's sometimes a little slow, getting my thoughts. There's another place to, for some smart Alec to say something. <laughs> so bear with me, uh, this means a lot to me, this message. And before I go uh, into the message, I was sitting right there two weeks ago and the band was singing and Scotty stepped forward and he started singing and I heard him singing 100 times. Went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. And I pointed at this platform and I said, devil, you didn't give it to me. And you can't take it from me. Amen. So I've been pastoring here. I'm the founding pastor. I've been here 27, a little over 27 years. And, and I've tried to live my life by example. I've tried to lead by example. So I've sensed in the last few months where God, I've always heard people say, pastor's evangelistic and I am evangelistic, and I will never apologize for winning souls to the kingdom of God. But when I found myself uh, in the last few months in my life wanting to teach, and I didn't realize how much was in me, I really didn't, until I ended up in Ruby, and it just poured out of me to nurses and to doctors. So, I've titled this message, Climbing Without Compromise. And it is amazing that God depends upon us to advance his kingdom wherever he assigns us. Assigns us. And where he assigns us, as we've just heard from these ladies, is not always where we want to be assigned. The first trip to Morgantown after five strokes in a squad, I said this out loud and these people were taking care of me in the squad. And I said it out loud. I said, God, this trip is not about me. This trip is about those in the hospital that you have for me to speak to. The second trip to Ruby in the squad, I said, hey God, out loud, the first trip wasn't about me, but this trip is all about me. You got somebody else on call. So listen to me, think about this. Think about this. The God that has created everything depends on you and I to advance his kingdom how you doing with that once we are born into his kingdom God begins to train us He trains us up these ladies couldn't have made it through if they hadn't been trained up I couldn't have made it through if I hadn't been trained up so it's not about just getting saved I gotta calm down right yeah, my wife laid down a law. It's not about getting saved. <laughs> Ain't that a bunch of garbage. I don't like hearing a preacher like that. Ain't got no backbone. Ain't got no backbone. Somebody say, cut loose. No, don't, don't tempt me. God trains us up, not for us only. God trains us up to send us Into the world to represent him. To advance his kingdom. John chapter 20 verse 21. Here's another thing that's been on my mind. And I feel like I can say it. Because you've all been feeling sorry for me. You don't bring a Bible to church? I didn't figure that would go over real well. You ought to bring a, you going to a gunfight with a, with a butter knife. Well, I got my phone. I got my iPad. That's a bunch of garbage. Bring a Bible. Bring a Bible. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's starting to feel better. Bring a Bible. Somebody say, bring a Bible. Next week, would you just flatter me and bring a Bible? Seriously. John 20. I know I'm right. I think you said I'm right, I don't know. John 20, 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, peace. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. This was the first appearance that Jesus had made to his disciples. After his resurrection, the disciples were hiding in fear and I feel like many of us are hiding in fear. We put a smile on. We act like everything's okay. We're hiding in fears. They were, they were in a locked up room. And Jesus suddenly appeared. And it shook them. And it feared them. And listen to what Jesus said in verse 21. Jesus said unto them, peace be unto you. I believe this morning many people are in fear here today. And I believe the Lord is speaking to us today through these ladies Through his word, he's saying, peace be unto you. And then he goes on to share the great commission. He said, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. Is that not amazing that God sent Jesus and then Jesus sends you and I? So there's some qualifications for being commissioned. You've got to receive. You've got to possess and you've got to know the peace of Christ. Now listen to me, I'm laying in that squad on the second journey and death came on me. I could see my own funeral. My wife and I had to have some Heartbreaking discussions of what to do. But I had to take captive my thoughts. And I had to speak life. You need to hear everything that I'm saying this morning. Unless you have really made peace with God, you cannot represent God to this world. Can't do it. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. The world thinks we're weak. The world thinks we need Jesus as a crutch. They don't have a clue that we are ambassadors. We are somebody. We are representatives of God Almighty. An ambassador is an official representative of another country. We are representatives from another land. The United States of America is not our home. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are representatives and you need to know that you are valuable. As believers, we are Christ ambassadors, and we are sent with a message of reconciliation to the world. Your influence, you need to hear me, your influence on others, therefore, is critical to your success, critical to your success and to the people that are around you. Very critical. Leaders, leaders, Everybody that says they're a leader, whether it's a school or a church or a job, just because you say you're a leader doesn't mean you're a leader. The best leaders are those who lead by example and by influence. And I have tried my best to lead by example. But also I have realized through this season that we've been hearing about, that I don't only lead by example, but I lead by influence. It's been overwhelming how God has showed me the influence that I have on people. And that is a very, very large responsibility. So how are you leading? How are you talking to people? How are you treating people? As Christians, we are not invading the world to dominate. I've known pastors I feel that are authoritarians. Just want to go around beating people up. I don't want to beat nobody up. I want to love people. I want to tell them about the love of God and and I want to preach the word of God, gun barrel straight and let the Holy Spirit beat them up. We are not dominators but we are deployed as liberators, who the sun sets free, is free indeed. Somebody say amen. amen. So with proper motives focused on demonstrating God's love, it is powerful. The outpour of love that has been poured to me and to my family, and if I had not led by an example, if I had not led by example, we would have never had it because like we already heard, you want a friend, be friendly. Can someone say amen? Demonstrating God's love. Let's listen to John chapter 13, verse 34 and verse 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Let me stop there. It was a few months ago, Pastor Kerry and I was sitting and talking and, We just talk about the love that we have in our church. We don't have drama. There's not one person in this church that I wish would go somewhere else. And I have pastor friends that tell me they have that. There is something special here and has always been here. And if you're new and you like to cause trouble, you need to get your heart right or find another church. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, he's definitely feeling better because we don't want it. We don't want it. And Carrie looked at me and she said, Pastor, the love that we have here is not normal. And she's talking about in churches, it's not normal. He says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. I'm looking at a group of disciples because of the love you have for one another. I came here Thursday evening and they had chairs sitting in a circle and they were not rehearsing, they were worshiping God. And I could sense the love for God, but the love for each other. Exemplifying God's love brings influence. I've had hundreds of text messages and phone calls. People that don't even go to church, one man said to me, This man goes to church to Jordan. It was your brother. And he said to me on the phone, he said, Pastor, our community can't afford to lose you. And it touched my heart. That's influence. That's influence. When people trust and respect you, they will listen to what you say and they will follow. When they trust you, In the life of Joseph in the Bible, because he had saved Egypt from the famine, and how did he do that? He did it through the wisdom of God. He was promoted to rulership over all of Egypt, second in command, only to Pharaoh. Why? Because he climbed without compromise. Very important, God's word gives us wisdom. Wisdom, do you hear what I'm saying? No matter the mountain, no matter the sphere of social influence in which you serve, God's plan is for you to go to the top, to go to the top. Philippians 4 and 13 said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. You need to believe that today. You need to speak that over your life. Proverbs 16 and three says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Jeremiah 17 and 7, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Who do you have confidence in? One of my dearest friends that I love dearly, Madra, she's not able to be with us today, but she sent me something this week, said, your greatest view is after your most difficult climb. And I'm seeing things from a perspective that I didn't see before. The view is changed. So, as a key to your success, don't compromise your integrity when faced with temptations. You got to remember that whatever beliefs and whatever values and whatever truths we compromise on the way up the mountain, it will rule us at the top of the mountain when we get there. Times of great pressure. It brings compromise. We've all been under pressure. In 2 Timothy 3 and 1, the apostle Paul, he writes this "Know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. You need to hear me. That's King James, but I like the amplified. It said, but understand this that in the last days will come perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. To me, it sounds like our society today. I believe we're living in the last times. Perilous times means difficult, means troublesome, trying, uneasy, hard and violent. The picture is that of people running to and fro. The last days is a biblical term that points to the end of the present age. 2 Timothy 3 and 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. The pressure of temptation to cheat in life. 30 plus years ago, I was in an insurance seminar in Chicago, Illinois. And an old man was our instructor. And the last thing he said was, do it right. Sleep at night. Don't lie under pressure. Don't dishonor a commitment. Don't break a vow. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You hear me? Tom chickarel has done a, few, a couple million dollars worth of work in this valley, Mosby Cove, and we've never had a contract with him. We shook his hand. Does your word mean anything? The lure of fame and fortune, the, the lure of winning and prospering, the seduction of taking the fast track or shortcut shortcuts to the top has brought down the most Godly people, how do you treat people? How do you talk to them? Do you show the love of Christ every day? It's important. Satan has custom made temptations for all of us. What he's customized for me, it won't affect you, but he'll have one for you too. And you'd better listen. Well, you can't overcome it with your own energy, your own strength. You better have a foundation with God. God promises us in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Simply put, you will not face anything in this life that you can't overcome. Do you hear me? God will make a way, Nancy, of escape for all of us. Stand with me this morning as I sit down. When rising in position and influence, the deception is I can do it alone. The more you get, the more confidence you get, the more success you have, You get to a place in life, I can do it alone. I can do it by myself, I can do it my way. That is a custom made deception from the enemy. The tendency is stop putting God's work first, I've been there. I don't say this out of arrogance. I say it to to minister to you, I've been there. I've had a lot of success in ministry. I'm just being honest. I have had a lot of success in ministry and there has been times I've got to the place where I thought, I'd do it my way. And he get my attention real quick because I got too big for my britches. Set back down, Robert. It's like the rich man in Luke chapter 12. Listen to this. I hope this really grabs you. And he spoke a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. He had i I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods This man died before he could even begin to use what was stored in his big barns. If you accumulate wealth and you accumulate influence on earth only to enrich yourself, you will enter into eternity empty handed. One of the most important things You have never heard me say my church because it's not my church. I'm the founding pastor here by the grace of God. You've never heard me say my staff because it's not my staff. Yeah, Monday through Friday, I may be the boss. I don't even like that word, the leader. But it's my responsibility to take care of of the staff of this church. It's my responsibility and I have always taken it serious. My wife and I, when you lead by example, you put other people ahead of you. We have sat at anniversary dinners and got called and we have gotten up and left. That is leading by example. So you that have people that work for you You need to take a personal responsibility as God blesses you. You don't need to just build a bigger barn. You need to help some people underneath you build their own barns. Give God a hand clap for free. To win the battles. And we're all gonna have battles. No mother should have to bury their children, but it's just reality. Marriage just happens. To win battles that God is leading you to fight. You gotta have the word. Ephesians 6 and 10, finally my brother, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen to Proverbs 24 and 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Adversity can be useful. (laughs) It shows you who you really are. It shows you what kind of character you have developed. The adversity that you face today is training you to be strong for tomorrow because you don't know what will come tomorrow. Integrity, one of the most important, the most important things in the kingdom of God. How's your integrity? How's your integrity? Listen to what Peter told Jesus in Matthew 26 and 33. Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet Will I never be offended? In so many words, Peter was saying to Jesus, everybody else may leave you, but I'll never leave you. What'd he do? After the Lord had been arrested, Peter displayed a lack of integrity. They said, aren't you one of them? Wasn't you with Jesus? I don't know who you're talking about. That was not long after Jesus had told him this. Jesus had said to Peter, Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. At this point in Peter's life, he had no integrity. At this point in your life, how is your integrity? He didn't have on the inside what he thought he had. And I'm gonna skip and go to the last. Don't forget, church, don't forget. Don't forget this. No matter how big your barns get, no matter how much success you have, don't forget that we're the church. We are the church. Don't forget our mission. Even when we're assigned somewhere we don't wanna be planted we got to grow. We got to grow. And here's what I try to live my life by. Because I have integrity, because I have influence. If I give the world, if I give our community a reason to question my integrity, they will not listen to what I have to say and they will not follow. Your integrity is everything. So don't give the world a reason to question your integrity. Do it right and sleep at night. Every head up, every eye open, and I don't care if you're looking around. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. Friend, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. James says, why worry about tomorrow? He said, our life is like a vapor. I laid in that squat and I thought, is my vapor about gone? So be honest with yourself today. What would happen if death knocked at your door today? Would you be prepared for eternity? If not, slip your hand high and say today, Pastor, quickly, today I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? I'm not gonna tarry, I'm not gonna beg you, because if the Spirit of God don't draw you, you can't be saved. But if you're here today and you don't know that you know that you know heaven is your home, slip your hand high, is there one? Is there one? then if there's some Christians in the house and you say, you know pastor, there's some things I need to change in my life. Would you slip your hand toward heaven? Slip your hand Then this altar is open. Pastor, would you sing? Please come. Come to the altar. Come, Whether it's for you or whether it's for somebody else, it's for your child, it's for your grandchild. If you don't have nobody to pray for you, come pray for me. I'll take it. It was brought to my attention that somebody raised their hand for salvation and I didn't see that hand. I apologize. So you that raised that hand toward heaven, that was an act of faith. You're making a public confession and I want you to pray this prayer out loud. I don't want you to be ashamed. Pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, today you've touched my heart And I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, create a new heart in me. And Lord, from this day forward, I'll do my best to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, can we give God a hand clap of praise? If you prayed that prayer this morning, please would you stop at the information desk. I'd like to have your name and number. I'd like to call and pray with you tomorrow. Next Sunday morning, uh, I'm gonna kick off a series. I'm gonna be teaching on living a life of victory. And I thought I had been, and I think I but I got room to improve. And I'm gonna be in Galatians, and I'm gonna be talking about the fruit of the Spirit And we're going to be victorious. We're going to continue to get gooder and gooder. Amen.
3: Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast.